You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Well, listen, uh, title of my message is called Pierce the Veil. This is part two. I preached a couple weeks ago called The Will to Act. And that was around this spirit that I felt was operating in a lot of lives. It was around a spirit of fear. And I preached it at 5 p.m. So I'm gonna do a little short idea about it, and then I want to equip you with where we're going to go today. And so really, if you haven't listened to that one, go back and podcast The Will to Act, because it will be a lot of foundational stuff that I'm kind of going to uh, break into right now. But I thought it was interesting. I just read this, this uh, well, it's a very successful entrepreneur, and he was saying, man, what, what happened for him was he realized there was 86,400 seconds in a day. That means there's 1,440 minutes. We all have the same. Why do some people accomplish so much and other people like, I don't have enough time? And he did this study and he said the average lifespan for men or for women is 78 years and for men it's 76 years. I don't know why that is, you know. I could make a joke, but I won't. But he did a real analysis. He said, you spend 28 years of your life sleeping, seven years of your life trying to sleep, but you're actually up worrying 11 years watching Netflix and chilling or surfing Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Four years, add two uh, years if you live in LA. Um, 15 years working. Five to seven years, depending on how meticulous you are, uh, getting dressed or doing mundane tasks. So that means you have approximately eight years to live a life on purpose. Isn't that a little scary? So he was asking this question in his book, if you knew you had eight years to live your life, would you live it with intention and purpose? Hello. I know I'm talking to a crowd over here that spent the last three days trying to figure out that vision, intention, and purpose, which is amazing. But right now, we're living in two options. We're living the life we live, or we're living the life we want to live. There's two options. So the question that I preached on in the will to act is what's stopping us, and the number one reason is fear. And then my question to you is, what is fear costing you? What is fear costing me? I mean, it was amazing this week being around Pastor Mike Connell so much. He was bringing up how so many people get stuck in this place of fear, and we don't go after our dreams, our calling, the things that we want, because we get this analysis paralysis, or I call it how I was raised, part of the frozen chosen. You know, we just get stuck or locked in. And the Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God, not, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timi- timidity, timidity, hooked on phonics for years, <laughs> but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's right in the word of God. And I could read that over and over, but I wanna really give you some application today. But I really want you to understand is what is fear costing you? And I talked about this and I went into a way bigger depth on the will to act message, but I wanna just touch on it because it's really important to locate maybe where we're at so then we can say, no, 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 I'm not gonna tolerate this anymore. And the more specific you get about the things you're tolerating, the faster we can get breakthrough, hence, pierce the veil. I want us to pierce this thing called fear and overcome it and walk in victory, which we're called to walk and operate. And I'm gonna give you a couple stories out of the Bible. So I'll say it again, because it's so important to do, see if these things resonate. Number one, diminish self-worth. 
This is where you've, you're losing faith in yourself. Sometimes insecurities come up. Might be in business, might be in dating, might be in school, might be in whatever. Might be trying to find your pers- purpose, but this is what fear will do, and the enemy's working overtime. There is an enemy, and he's working overtime to get us locked in fear, and if we can get set free and stay free, that's where we can walk where we're called to walk in. Number two, imprisoned by your comfort zone. So these are habits of dysfunction. We're just, okay, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't wanna ruffle the ship. I don't wanna go out on my own. I don't wanna be an entrepreneur. I'm happy with the paycheck. Or I'm happy, I don't wanna go ask for a raise because I don't wanna upset them. So I'm happy where I'm at. So we get imprisoned by our comfort zone and we build up beliefs about why we deserve what we deserve. Number three is perpetuation of pain. It's a cycle of failure, mostly locked in procrastination. It's self-sabotage, maybe bankruptcy in your life, maybe just a failure, which leads to depression, and then we get stuck in just feeling bad about ourselves. Number four, character assassination. We're just wasting talent, and other people know it. We made inner vows. Someone spoke something over our life. You're dumb. You'll never be anything. You're not good enough. You'll always be broke. So we just take those and make them truth because someone spoke it over our life and we didn't know how to break that when someone spoke it. People that hang out with me long enough know my favorite words, cancel. I'm canceling people all day long. It's not personal. When they take it personal, I cancel that. It's like, what are you gonna do? You can think whatever you wanna think, just don't be talking to me that way. But that's my stuff. Number five, quit a reputation. It's just making excuses all the time for where you're at, why you're late, this and that. Number six is little impact. You don't know if you have a legacy, you have nothing to show for it, no purpose, or you make things, statements like it's too late for me, which then becomes an inner vow. Number seven is limit. Limited money-making ability, poverty mentality. You'd rather stay at a job than chase your dreams, but you know God gave you a dream. Why aren't you chasing it? And the last one is self-betrayal. I think it's the hardest one after you've taken hits and hits and hits. You just start believing that lie, and then you kind of add all these other ones to it. And you start to resist and rebel against opportunities, and then you just blame others, but you know they're for you. So if any of those resonated, I went into a whole teaching on that last time. I'm just gonna say a simple prayer right now because we're gonna be done with that so I can actually preach something you're gonna get. But unless we highlight maybe some stinking thinking, we'll never know, well, I wonder where those thoughts are. And that's why in the Word of God, it always says, talks about taking every thought captive, renewing our mind because it all starts here with a thought. And how many know the devil tries to influence what we think? What you think about, you bring about. I can quote every little guru out there, but it starts here, and there is an enemy that tries to persuade your thoughts. David, in the Bible, talked about how he started having these dark thoughts, and it was taking him out, and he had to talk about it. He wrote so many of the Psalms, and that was just about him getting his life right. It was almost like his journal of what he was walking through. You wanna know what David was thinking? Read his journal, which is the book of Psalms. It's amazing how we can think, all oh, those thoughts are my thoughts. No, they're not. Those thoughts are being influenced by an enemy that doesn't want you to have the thoughts that you're supposed to have. 
And then when you start having victorious thoughts, if you've been having negative thoughts for so long, then you feel guilty that you're having positive thoughts. Then you're like, am I allowed to have a nice car? Am I allowed to have a nice house? You know, you start rationalizing, but it's all this condemnation that the enemy wants to make sure there's shame, condemnation, beat yourself up. And after those seeds that have started to sprout and you've been beating yourself up long enough, he's well on to somebody else to mess their life up because now he just is gonna let that train wreck keep rolling down the track. And that's why we're gonna break this thing. So if that's you, you could just say, I'm, I, I made some of those agreements. Now there's a lot more than those, but in some of my studies, those are the most common prevalent ones that get people locked in. Doing a lot of pastoral care means these are the ones that I think are on repeat, rinse, recycle, and we're gonna break that thing right now. So I'm gonna pray, and you could just in your heart saying, God, a couple of those resonated with me, and I want you just to uh, allow and receive this prayer. We thank you, Lord. God, I thank you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray freedom over fear. I release freedom over every man, woman, and child in this house, and I declare fear broken off families, finances, marriages, health, and minds right now. I stand against all generational curses of fear and place the cross of Christ between those standing in their spirit and those struggling with habitual sin that has allowed fear to enter. I release peace, joy, love, and a sound mind over our families and ourselves. Please forgive us as we repent for allowing fear and the enemy to enter and affect our minds and our families. Lord, we thank you for freedom and healing in your mighty name, the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. amen. So important, what I learned from Mike Connell is the more that we declare, he says you should wake up and declare freedom over your kids, over your wife, over your finances, over your health every single day. And I can tell you as a pastor, I haven't done that. Even though I know it, even though when I feel spiritual battles, I can get up and do it, because I know. But Mike Connell's like, why wouldn't you start that day? Why wouldn't you end that day? The more that you remind the enemy who has authority the more he's gonna realize, I can't mess with that guy. I can't mess with that girl. I can't mess with that mighty man or that mighty woman. And so it's like, man, why aren't we all just going around unleashing authority over our house? So if the byproducts of joy and peace and love aren't exuding from you, there's an issue. Even right now, I knew this morning two things would happen. People during the whole worship would start to feel peace and joy come over them, or they would get agitated. There's only two things that will happen today. If you're getting agitated, that's the, you're, we're, we're stirring some stuff up. And that's 100% normal. But if you're agitated during worship or during that vision builders thing, like, why that guy get break you? My, whatever it is, or even now as I'm preaching, then don't leave here without getting prayed. That means there's some attachment to the enemy on you, and we want to break that thing off. It's a real deal. So I just want to give you a renewed mindset with power. And did, were you guys able to find that song? Really? Listen, this song has been rocking me this week. I don't know why. I'm just like that guy that likes music. Listen to this song real quick. And when I walk back out, you can cut it. I just had that on repeat like 42 times this morning. Only sad part is it sounded way better in this auditorium. So I'm gonna get back in my car and be like, what the heck? It's gonna like burn the rowboat. Oh, yeah, I should tell you who that is. It's called For King and Country, Burn the Ships. 
Oh, it's such, and literally, it keeps going, it gets even better. We just, I gotta leave you a little teaser so you download it, give them props, you know. But listen, many times in the New Testament, Jesus was confronted by the enemy, by Satan himself. Mike Connell said a thing, don't pick fights when you're not called to. So the only, the only kings that were ever killed is because they were fighting battles, they were never assigned. When you have a general assign something, you're gonna go and wreak havoc, and then the whole army's behind you. But if you were told to go to Afghanistan, and you ended up in the Philippines, I don't think the whole army of the US is gonna be behind you. And so the same thing spiritually, you wanna make sure you're not picking fights where you're not called to, assigned to. Right in the middle, I'm in the middle of a very political battle, and I have a lot of patients, clients that are leaning in and getting involved, and when Mike Connell said that, you better make sure, is your assignment at the church, is your assignment locally, is your assignment to take on local politics, is it to take on state politics, are you going straight federal, because I'm dealing with a real issue that is taking up some bandwidth for my personal family, and I have to learn, where is my assignment? So I've been praying, God, I don't wanna go pick a fight with Satan unless you're telling me that's my assignment. But if he does, heaven will be behind me. And I wanna tell you that's a word for us right now. But the two things, and I wanna read this because I want you to hear it, is that Jesus always would speak back at the enemy. I know a lot of Christians that just take the hits, roll over and fold like a deck chair. But that's not what the word of God says to do. He knew the word and he used it as his weapon. And so I wanna equip you with some weapons this morning really quickly. The number one in Matthew 4, uh, 1 through 11 in the New Living Translation. I'm just gonna read this so you have context. This is where it's called the temptation of Jesus. How many of you have ever been tempted by something, okay, that's putting a little weight on you? And if you haven't, then you just don't know. But then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During the time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, challenging his identity, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. I mean, no, Jesus could have done it. But Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say, the word says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That was the first time. The devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that won't even hurt your foot on the stone. And the second time Jesus responded, the scripture says, the word says, you must not test the Lord your God. Boom, drop that mic. The devil then didn't give up. How many know the devil's persistent? And he says, the, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it to you all, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. And again, Jesus said, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, third time, same context, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away, he fleed, and the angels came to take care of Jesus. Listen, I tell you that because here's, Here's God incarnate in flesh, sent to this life to redeem mankind, and he had to deal with Satan himself. That's how arrogant Satan is. And it's amazing, because just like God has angels 
Satan has the demonic realm. There is, we are spiritual beings living in a physical world. There's a dimension that we need to learn how to operate in flesh and spirit and not be in denial about both. I grew up in a good word teaching thing and I was taught the word. And listen, I knew the word. I went off to a great Christian college, got more Christian doctrine, got more word. And then I was ransacked up and down by the devil because I didn't know how to take authority. I didn't know how to battle in the spirit. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know the power of communion. I didn't know the power that was resting on the inside of me, especially knowing the word that I knew. I didn't know, if, if, if you give someone a sword or a gun and they don't know how to use it, how many know that's problems? See, we, we have this, this weapon here, but if we don't get it on the inside of us, we already got problem number one. If we then don't know how to yield this, we have problem number two, and we end up living an impotent Christian life. Sure, Jesus brought salvation, but he's also called to be your Lord that we may rule and reign in this life. And that's the number one thing today, church, if we can just equip us in the spirit how to battle, not just the flesh, but battle in the spirit. And I wanna give you some scriptures to back it up, but we must learn the word and speak it. Speak it at fear, speak it at your mountain, speak it at every obstacle that may be in front of you. See, if you have Jesus in your heart, guess what? You have heaven backing you up. Now know your assignment. I think it's really important to know that assignment because this is what Mike Connell was saying. I know I'm referencing a lot just because my mind's been blown this last week. He said, I don't even mess with Satan. Here's a guy that walks in the authority. He goes, I mess with all the lower level rats that affect people's lives. He goes, why would I pick a, a fight with a power? I'm, I know where my assignment is, and I'm gonna bust off all the rats and the demons that are afflicting my people to set them free. When he, when he goes, the one time I set that up, he goes, I went through 18 months of hell going after Satan when Jesus already did that. I don't need to pick fights with a bully. He's so arrogant enough, he was sitting there tempting Jesus, knowing who he was. Was he gonna have a bad moment? But Jesus withstood the enemy the power of the devil through the word and spoke it at him. In Romans 10, eight through 12 in the New Living Translation, it says, in fact, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. So believing in Jesus makes you right in your heart. That's step one. And then it's by opening, declaring your faith that you're saved. So we get right, we declare a thing, and then we believe a thing. And start understanding the believing part is where I was, I was lost. I, I knew Jesus was in my heart, but I wasn't believing the best days were in front of me. I wasn't believing that I actually could have authority. I wasn't actually believing that I could sow and expect righteousness. I wasn't believing that, man, that house, that's for other people. Well, it says the wealth of the sinners built up for the righteous. What am I doing to make myself more Christ-like, more righteous? It's amazing. I love this. C.S. Lewis, if you don't know him, he was an Oxford professor that found Christ. And he wrote some of the greatest books. He wrote, um, what was that whole series? Somebody. 
Narnia, come on, the books of Narnia. Oh my gosh, he became famous for those. And that's just the foretelling of really the gospels. But most people don't know that. They're reading it in schools. So man, if they found that out, they're like, get that, get that book out of here. But it's amazing. One of my favorite, he wrote the Screw Tape Letters. Anybody read that? Yeah. Oh, and really, he wrote these letters, and it was, it was like a foreshadowing of Satan writing to his demons, hey, go attack that Dr. Matt kid. Go mess him up. Here's his weakness. Go after him. Report back. Let me know. So they would, he would then write about how these little demons came to try to mess me up and all of a sudden come back and like, man, he knew the word of God. He knew. He had a mama that was praying for him. Man, he had an aunt, man. She was fierce. She was dropping scripture on him right level. We couldn't touch him. And it just made me look at how this book was written. And so he goes, all right, go mess up this girl. All right, get this guy wrapped up in pornography. Oh, get this girl caught up with this. Get this guy wrapped up in greed and finances and chase the world. I mean, he wrote all these specific things of the antics he uses to trip us up. And it's amazing how many people haven't read that book because it will give you insight. The devil's not that tricky. He's just been around a lot longer so he can apply a grip. But if we know how to stand up and speak the word, we'll break that off. And I love this in his book. He says, there are two equal opposite errors in which... Christians fail around ideas around the devil. One is, the dis one is to disbelieve in their existence, the demonic. The other is to believe and to fear and have excessive and unhealthy interest in them. You can't be, there is no such thing, or all you do is walk around, is there a demon under that rock? Is there a demon under that rock? You know, and you don't live the life you're called to. You've been given a third. Jesus says of Satan and his demons, in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, life in the full. Listen, Jesus goes through, I can give you verses after verses, but let read John 8, 44. Satan is also known as the tempter, the oppressor, the deceiver. He is called the father of lies. His underlines are sent about to undermine all good love and righteousness of God. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says that we are to be self-controlled and alert. For your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We cannot be in denial. But I love in Psalm 68, 17, it states there are thousands and thousands and thousands of God's angels on chariots. In Psalms 91, 10, we are told that God gives them charge over us to keep us in all ways and to discern and test the spirits which may come to us. We're not to fear demons because God gives us the equipment we need to win every battle that we walk in. But it's amazing that a lot, a lot of churches are talking about this subject because it's like, oh, what do you do? This is what I love about this church. We're not gonna put God in a box. We're not gonna talk about the Holy Spirit as it's a thing. It's part of the Trinity. We need the Holy Spirit to operate in our life, to walk in victory. We wanna be praying in the spirit every day. We wanna be in the word of God, not so it releases us, not to heavy us, not to burden us, but to equip you with how to fight the good fight. I'm not here to tell you the bad news, I'm here to tell you the good news. Jesus already won the fight, but a lot of Christians don't know, and they will, why am I operating in fear all the time? Why am I feel so locked up? This thing about mental illness is driving me crazy right now. And I think we just gotta go after it and preach more about it because the enemy tries to occupy our thoughts. But in 2 Corinthians 10, four through seven, we use God's mighty 
weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Verse six says, and after you become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. We have to take those thoughts. It says in James 4, 7, submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I just wanna give you some scripture this morning so you can just pull it out. Pull these out, write down, James 4, 7. Go look it up, read it. 1 John 3, 8, sin is of the devil, but Jesus came to destroy those works so you can live in freedom. This is good news, people. I'm telling you. In John chapter eight, Jesus is saying that we all sin, but we fall short. And when we know him, you are free. And if you are free in Christ, heaven is behind you to stay free, not to stay locked up, not to keep going back. First John 4, 4, my children, you are part of God's family. You've stood against the false preachers and had power over them. You have had power over them because the one who lives in you is stronger than the one who is in the world. So important to know that. My last thought is, what kind of mark are you gonna leave? Are you gonna leave a mark or are you gonna leave a stain? I think it's so interesting. We have a unique fingerprint. It's more detailed than the DNA in your blood. Yet so many people just go, oh, I'm just another. No, you were made in the likeness and created in the image of the Holy One. When you have that revelation, now we have to understand, what am I gonna leave? Am I gonna leave an exclamation mark, a question mark, or a period at the end of my life? A period, most people have more to give, but they're locked in fear. So they play small and they die with the music. They were meant to let the world hear still inside them. A question mark. Your life was based in fear. You lost your fight. You lost your courage. You just gave in and gave up. Like David in the caves of Adullam. Or an exclamation mark. A life of distinction, purpose, and making those eight years matter. Living a life that's fearless. Living the life, God's A plan, his best plan for your life. I remember hearing this statement, Cavu, and I wrote it everywhere when I was starting my business. And it was just, when I was studying to become a pilot, they said, Cavu means ceiling and vision unlimited. And I didn't think of it from a pilot term. I was thinking it from my business life. I want no ceiling over my life and I want unlimited vision. So I'd go around saying it to myself, ceiling, every time I feel fear, ceiling and unlimited vision. Ceiling, there is no ceiling, and unlimited vision. I break every ceiling over my life. I have unlimited vision to see what you see, God. It became my prayer. I wanted to get a tat all the way down my arm, but my wife didn't like it. So I just write it there once in a while to show her, like, is it, babe? But she still doesn't like it. I could post Malone it right here, but I don't think that would work for me, but it's a new trendy thing. Um, but listen, I'm gonna read this verse and then I'm gonna pray for you. In Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Can you believe this morning? It's amazing 
The devil doesn't want you to believe in yourself, doesn't want you to believe in your dreams, doesn't want you to believe in your potential, doesn't want you to believe that you're an incredible father, doesn't want you to believe that you're an incredible wife, doesn't want you to believe that you're an incredible business person, doesn't want to believe that you walk in power and anointing. He works overtime to mess this up. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.